beep, 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 beep. Hello, internet. We interrupt your daily boredom for this very important message. We're starting a podcast. Ooh, tell us about it. This is Often Overlooked, a show where three not-so-wise men tell you about all the things that our friends and co-workers don't want to hear us talk about anymore. We are talking about movies, books, comics, video games, etc. I'm one of your hosts, Jeffrey, joined by my two friends. I'm Alex. And I am Seth. Here's three quick clues about our topic today. If you took a spaghetti western and took out the spaghetti and added a little bit of space... It's something that Fox hates. It's also something shiny. That's right. You guessed it. Today, we're talking about Firefly. Before we before we get into anything else, guys, what's going on? What's on the docket for this week? Seth, I believe we have something pretty cool coming up, actually, and that is Phoenix Comic Con. Yeah, man. I mean, it's yes. no big deal. It's it's a uh, it's a tiny little get together, couple thousand, thousand people, some like minded some like minded individuals. Yeah, no big deal. I mean, it's three days from this recording, which is like I'm I'm already on the hype train for it. I'm super stoked. Just like our ideal listenership. Yeah. <laughs> this is this. If you guys found us at Comic Con, uh, please let us know because I'm positive that you're the audience we're targeting. Yeah, we definitely want to start a community here. But um, if you're not following us on Twitter already, which you're not, it's <laughs> at Overlooked underscore Cast. Uh, yeah, you should follow us. I should follow us. I should do that. Yeah, it's on my it's on my to do list. <laughs> I'll get there. Whatever. I like it. I'm following it. So. <laughs> Jeffrey did his homework. Yeah. He came prepared. The, the thing that was going through my head that I always w- wanted to talk about is, like, can you imagine being that Fox studio executive that, like, actually put the band hammer down? And, like, how do you go to bed with yourself Dude. every night? How do you look yourself in the mirror and be like, yep, I did that? I don't see. I think that, that it would have to be, like, they're confident in it, right? And they're like, they think that that's the right decision. That's why they do that. So if everybody is up at night or whatever and they're like, oh, we love Firefly and, like, you're a shithead for... For doing that, I probably, whatever. And like, you're a terrible person for, for canceling it. And he's like, that show sucked, man. I'm like, I'm glad I canceled it. Like, just stoically play it off like a yeah, studio executive like, would. Like, I'm sure that that's how he is, like, internally. Is like, he knows, he thinks, yeah, that show sucked. I'm, I canceled, I'm glad I did that because I hated that show. It was dumb. It's really funny that you bring that up because I literally just watched a video on YouTube about Alan Tudyk that was talking about that. And he's like, yeah, you know, this woman that did this. You know, nobody ever says, like, oh, I'm the one that put Firefly on the air. Everyone literally just knows her as the one that took it off. And, like, even her <laughs> Wikipedia page has, like, huge things. And she'll change it, and then it gets changed back, like, immediately. Like, oh, the person that canceled Firefly, like, <laughs> oh, broadcast it. That poor girl. I bet she has a hard time sometimes. It's so. never going to change. <laughs> you should be known as that. Like, yep, yep. Nope, this is the person that took Firefly off the air for I wonder if everyone. She, I wonder if she still works for Fox. Like, if she still does has the same role. I don't know. I, I imagine Fox had to back her up big time after that, though, you know, oh, years yeah. down the line. Like I that. feel like that's not something that is, like, open knowledge for a while, though. Like, it's... People that cancel shows, like, unless it becomes Firefly, then, like, your name and, and you did this becomes knowledge. But otherwise, like, it's not a uncommon thing. It's not a... 
like personal thing people don't know the person that canceled like i don't know yeah, I don't even know her name. I mean, I'm just I I just figured that you know she probably played it off for a while after Firefly got big. You know, later mm-hmm. on this like cultural phenomenon. Well, especially like when when it was taken off. I mean, yeah, it had a pretty decent fan base, but like not huge. I mean, it's in the last couple of years that it's gotten immense. And so just like this thing, like oh yeah, we didn't really like the show, or oh it wasn't really doing this, so it's fine. It's whatever. It's just another show. Oh, and then to have it like just snowball into this immense thing just has to be such an intense moment for her yeah i wonder if she had that like moment you know two or three years later when everybody when it got huge or whatever and she was like oh god what have i done like i did that and maybe it's just my bad perception of hollywood but i imagine that they must have had a board meeting going do we put firefly back on the air you know like a few years after the fact yeah and you have to think that they've had so many meetings where it's like, oh, well, do we, should we, what, you know, what should we do about this? Well, I remember hearing about Joss um, declining because uh, Fox had essentially had that meeting with him where uh, they're like, hey, like, is this an avenue we should explore? And he was too busy to do it with like the Avengers and stuff too busy to move on to get back into the writing process for firefly and everybody else had moved on with their careers like nathan fillion was in castle and it was about halfway through its its life and everybody else had like moved on so like not only would it be impossible for him to write but it'd be impossible to get the gang back together it'd be Mm -hmm. it just it wouldn't work after it was canceled everybody just continued on with their lives and you can never get that entropy back there's not a single one of them that wouldn't drop what they were doing though you can't tell me nathan fillion wouldn't be like peace out castle i'm done I, I don't think he would because he, totally he would. Uh, at, at Comic-Con Phoenix Comic-Con two or three years ago whenever he was here he said that Castle is the only stable job he's ever had it pays well he loves doing it like he loves Castle so I like I think it'd be a really tough decision for him to make I don't know if he would leave I don't think I don't think he'd leave Castle to go back to Firefly. Well, plus they just finished, I believe. Yeah, I now like is a good time. Seven was like their last one. Yeah, so yeah. now it's like Castle's actually water. over now. Yeah. Now is a good time for them to do that. But like mid, like it was like season four. Like no way, halfway yeah. through. That's what I I, I could have sworn I heard some interview where the, at the ten year reunion where they got everybody back together and they all sat around a table and they said, "Would you come back to do it now?" And every single one of them said yes. Yeah, ever, the entire cast said, "No matter, I will be here today fighting for it, and in ten years fighting for it, and in thirty years." I mean, that's for the it. kind of people I like to believe that they are, right? Yeah. Like, in my if if someone was to ask me, do you think Fire, the cast of Firefly would drop everything and come back? I, yeah, they, because that's what they seem. But in reality, I don't know if they would. You know, like it's hard to leave a good paying, steady job or whatever. Like some of them, like like Ron Glass went on to Broadway, I think, like. They, they didn't all go on to be Castle, right? So yeah. some of them would be in a better opportunity to come back, right? But Well, they all went on to do good things. Yeah, Gina definitely. Torres and Alan Tudyk, obviously, like probably two of the bigger ones. Summer Cloud did some good things, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you brought that up, too, like the whole Joss Whedon thing. Like, you know, they probably have talked to him multiple times, and it's interesting because it's like, you know, Alan Moore, you know, this amazing writer, and, you know, he had The Watchmen. And, you know, that whole time he was vying to do a sequel or a prequel or all these things. And they were like, nah, now nah, we're okay. And now, like, multiple years later, they're like, oh, my gosh, please do this. And he's like, no, I won't touch it. He's <laughs> like, you've done all these things. And it's the same thing. It's almost like, you know, so much time is removed. And, you know, that wound is so fresh, probably still in his mind. that it's like, does he want to 
you know, come back to this and yeah, try yeah. to, you know, immerse himself back into the world. That's got to be pretty tough for him as well. Yeah. And with, with how in-depth Joss's writing is, I feel like it would be, like, literally painful for this kind of thing to happen. Like, I don't think outside of, like, you know, a stigma or whatever, I think it would be, like, literally too taxing on him mentally to get back into a world like that. Like, once it's done, you, you it's like losing a family member. Like, you kind of have to cauterize the, ru- the wound and try and move on. And, like, to, like, try and go back to that, I, like, it just, I don't, I just don't think that it, is possible to to get Firefly back together? I don't know that they should though. And it's something I, that Mikey yeah. touched on in, in movies with Mikey is that it's it's such an underdog friendly story, both within the story itself of Firefly, but just the, the nature of the community that's been built around it. So if you were to take Firefly and give it the opportunity to fulfill the potential that it is known to have now would it live up to that you know or is there going to be eventually in like season two or three some glass shattering moment where you're like all right they they really straying away from what i saw because everybody um, individually has their own idea of what it should be yeah know? it's very much like a novel in that way like if the audience has shaped more of firefly than firefly did so it's a similar kind of thing if they were to bring it back then i don't i don't think it would live up to anybody's expectations just it would fail i mean plus just like going back into it and everything i mean they told an amazing story and even with the movie i mean serenity was awesome and it seemed like he was you know wrapping things up and yeah it was that moment of you know okay so you know these bad things have happened but then also good things and then it's just kind of like okay you know let's kind of you know no pun intended but you know let's let's put them out into space let's you know put the ship out (laughs) there off the pasture (laughs) Yeah, well, and there was there was an episode I forget exactly which one it is, but um, it's the one where they uh, are shipping. Spoiler alert! It's the one where they're shipping his his old army buddy, pretending to be dead, back to back to his family. Midway through filming that episode, they found out that they were canceled. So you can see if you watch that episode, like the ending of that episode is an epilogue for the guy but also an epilogue for the show and it shows on everybody's face it shows in the the tone of the ending which was different than it originally was before they found out they were canceled so serenity as a follow-up is joss after everything is canceled he's like i get one more final bang like i need to wrap up as much of the story as i possibly can in one shot that's rough yeah that's a a you can see episode to go on if you watch it too like you like the end where they're watching the procession as he's being wheeled through the snow like the faces every all the actors faces are sad like they're acting for this this thing but they're like way worse they're like Ripped. they're sad yeah. like that this is a real procession and that like that that's a real friend the show is dead now like that you can see it on the actors it's crazy that's very sad. Okay. It's uh, the message is the one you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Plus, yeah. to, to have such a hard hitting like last episode, like oh, you you know when it's that time to end it, you know to have something like that be the ending. Yeah, just such irony. Well, and so then they, they had to go on and film like two or three more episodes after that. Yeah. It wasn't the actual last episode that they filmed. It was like the second or third to last episode that they filmed that they found out they were canceled. That'd be tough, right? And that's I think that's why. Um, the following episode is just so so good because they know that they're doomed. They put in all the gumption into it. Yeah. yeah. 
interesting. It's interesting when you know that kind of behind the scenes stuff and it really shows like outside of acting. It's like you get to peel back the curtain a little bit and see and it, it gives a much greater appreciation for the actual show. What were you guys favorite just like parts about this show though? Like Character-wise, world-building-wise, like, story-wise. Well, my, my favorite part, like absolutely, everything. is the world-building. Like, <laughs> that was so interesting to me and how Serenity and their crew and the crew of the ship fit into the world. Like, that was so interesting. Having the marriage of, uh, you know, the USA and China, like, moving forward, it's, it's so plausible. Like, it was such a, a well-thought-through world. Like, that's why I got hooked, was the world-building was just amazing. And then you toss in brilliant characters and Nathan Fillion and Alan Tudyk like I love them in general and that show just was the perfect combination of all the things that I loved yeah I definitely I, I don't think anyone would deny that probably the biggest thing is the world building I mean you start off the first episode and immediately you feel like you understand how this world has worked you know and it, a lot of the times you know with modern TV you know it's like oh kind of modern day settings oh you kind of understand things that are going on but this is something that was completely different and so to understand that much like oh yeah you know there's a you know kind of a mixture of language this happens and you know this is kind of similar but this is different stuff i feel like he did such an amazing job at making it so relatable and i think that's the biggest thing that i love about firefly is that you know it's this world completely different than ours but is it really that different from ours um, you know, the, the characters themselves and all these different things, it just seems so familiar. Um, and as I was like, as I was rewatching it, that's what kept hitting me. I was like, oh, yeah, these seem like people. Like, yeah. oh, not just like, oh, this stereotype or this. It's like these feel like people that were put together on the ship and benefit everyone. Exactly. And yeah. That, yeah. That's the genius of Joss is his characters are so well made. And see, that's what I, I would say was it was characters. I mean. Yeah, world building is, is insane in Firefly. You get, how, how do you mix space and Western? That's an, that's an insane thought to somebody, but it just works just works really naturally. But to, to speak to what you're saying, for me, my favorite part is the characters. And I think it's because of that familiarity thing. Yeah. Because a lot of, and a lot of storytellers are talking about this too, whether it's just TV or, or novels or whatever, but some of the stronger, harder-hitting materials that these creators are putting out now, it's because it's something familiar and you blend it with something just a little bit unique. Like, what is the new thing that you're bringing, which is the, like, space-western aspect? But you blend it in with something familiar, which are the, you know, some people would say kind of trope-heavy, like, typecast characters that comprise the crew. But they do characters so well because they all have uh, just interconnected relationships they all have their own motives everything kind of crosses over really nicely so if you and i was i was i was talking to seth about this if you if you were to look at the first episode i thought i was baffled because by the end of you know by the end of the second act you've you've got all of these stories that are all intermingled everybody has their own motive they all kind of have their own end goal and they're all intermingled and when you think about it at the end, it's like, how did they manage to incorporate the stories of 10 people, make it feel like at the end of the episode, everything was kind of wrapped up nice and tight, and that there was potential for it to move on? Like, that's incredible. It's a feat. 
you know, it's a feat of storytelling. Yeah. And they continued that throughout the entire season. Yeah. Uh, that I think shows more of the potential to the series because it seemed like it was written for five or six seasons, right? Like the how well the characters meshed and like how much potential there was in the story and plot lines there felt like it was written to be way way longer. And I think that's part of the reason why so many people feel that like pain of loss is because the potential was there, like it was built into the show that it should have been this long, grandiose, amazing series, and it was, like, severed at the head. Well, I mean, it's very interesting because in an interview, Joss Whedon himself even said, like, yeah, I wrote when I was, you know, making Firefly. I had enough for seven years. Yeah. So, you know, seven seasons of the show, and, you know, from the beginning, you know, we all love the characters. We love the world building. It feels like it, it just fits. And, you know, you could see, like, oh, this is where this character is going to grow or this. And, you know, over that time, these are the things going to be happening. So, yeah, it, it sucks super bad, you know, that it was cut off as quick as it was. Because, you know, we could have had something phenomenal. Yeah. You know, it, it still is. It's amazing. But, you know, rolling forward, it's like, what could he have done with Malcolm? What could he have done um, with Shepard? You know, all these different people, you know, they could have had these phenomenal stories and character building. Yeah, it was all baked in before the show even started, and that's 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 the tragedy of it. Was the potential was so great, and it was already there, ready to go. Yeah, and I mean, it kind of ties into the story itself, though. I think is what uh, the kind of underlying thing there is is that yeah, everybody loves Firefly, but it has this kind of cultural phenomenon because what's happening now is Mal's story, you know. Because he's yeah. fighting like, desperately for some semblance of this this thing that he was resigned to to do, which was to kind of like maintain his freedom, maintain that ability to con- kind of continue to live in in the way that he wanted to, and that's what he's fighting for the entire story. When that's stripped from him, he just kind of goes on in the only way he has, which is keep flying. Yeah, just keep flying. Uh, yeah, but he never loses his conviction. You know, that's, like, the, the main thing with Mal throughout the entire story. He said mm-hmm. he might not make the right decision every time, but you trust him to, despite, you know, it, it exactly. might not be... Yeah, and I think that that trust is solidified in the episode where they're, like, captured, more or less, by the Alliance, and they're, they're in this, like, interrogation room, um, and, and the guy interrogating him is like, uh, you know, how's it feel to be on the wrong side? And he said, may have been the losing side, not convinced it was the wrong one. It's like, that is why we trust you. It's like, because you have this moral conviction, but you also aren't, you don't let that moral conviction blind you to the way the world is. And that, I think, is, is why we have such faith in, in Mal to continue making the right decision, even if it seems shitty at the time. Yeah, I mean, everything, though, in the story, too, just kind of, like, supplements that. They, they they talk about in the special features pretty heavily about the like set design mm-hmm. and okay not only is it awesome that they constructed the entire ship where you can just kind of flow from scene to scene seamlessly that's that's insane that's just awesome um, it being that it's the bulk of the show though it makes sense that they would build it out and you'd be able to kind of transition naturally from from set to set essentially yeah. without having to move physically right I'm, I'm obviously going to cut pretty frequently between the two but to be able to to move like it's an actual ship that's, yeah, that's yeah. insane yeah they built the full ship to film inside of and that's that's crazy like when does that happen for a TV show well this yeah and they said in the uh, 
when they were designing originally, they picked a color for each room to kind of match the tone of what they wanted to have happen in that room. And so like everything from the cockpit down to the engine room was planned out based on what characters were going to be in there, what kind of interactions were going to happen. So like they talked about Kaylee's room and how it was very earthy and orange and kind of bright because that's very much her personality. But it was earthy because she's very much like that like side character trait that we didn't get to explore the like nympho side of of Kaylee, but right. the the also just kind of very vibrant, very friendly, happy to be alive Kaylee. Right, and that like I don't understand why seeing how much prep and how much work and how much like build cost went into setting up Firefly, like why they pulled the plug on it because they had other shows at the time, you know, like like the the Simpsons and Family Guys of of the the broadcasting world which had no real character development no real planning they just kind of went in with the comedy got some laughs and like kept rolling with it whereas firefly was literally planned like to the t from the beginning like why would they throw that much effort away that's what blows my mind i mean especially in this era of you know tv has taken over nowadays i mean that's where you find like the best you know, items of media is, you know, we have Netflix, we have Amazon Prime, we have all these different things that are so great. And to think like that they wouldn't even give it a second season, like, okay, like, uh, we're, we're, we're a solid medium on it right now. Let's see what you got for season two. Like, yeah. even just to think about that, you know, like you were saying all the money that was put into that. And I mean, and to, to go on Alex's point here, um, I mean, the stuff that was built, I mean, a little bit of not-so-great CGI aside, <laughs> the sets were beautiful, and everything looked amazing. Like, when they would go to the different planets, the costuming, everything looked like it was a world. Like, it looked realistic. It looked like everything belonged there. And so, to think, like, oh, somebody was like, oh, I don't like the show enough that, you know, we're just going to can it and not even give it a second season is just so bizarre right now to think right. about. And I think Firefly is the main example as to why we don't see that kind of behavior anymore. Like, shows don't just get canceled. Like, they get that opportunity to at least play out and see if they work, like, in season two kind of thing. Like, you don't see a show that just gets canceled anymore. And I think Firefly is a big reason why. Or to line up a big finale to just knock out of the park. I mean, if you watch the last episode of the season, it's like comparatively kind of flat. Like, it's just kind of odd. You get a little bit of the bizarre lines that are coming out of that last one. It's just kind of an odd space to end it on. Um, I, I I expected, you know, looking back on it, I would have expected them to to give them the opportunity to just knock it out of the park or or to to kind of die quietly. You know. Right, like, and that's the thing is, like, I feel like they weren't consulted at all. Like, if if they had come to Joss, you know, four or five episodes in, and was like, hey, you know, things aren't looking so good, like, see what you can do, and then, like, give them the opportunity to bring it back on course, or, like, wow them into, like, wow the execs so that they know, oh, okay, like, that's what this is going to, I get it now. Like, they never gave the opportunity. They're just like, oh, well you're out and especially like reading about a lot of the behind the scenes of firefly it almost seemed like fox was doing not everything they could but a lot of things that they could to just can it yeah i mean it was in a friday night slot which is like the death (laughs) the chopping block of slots 
I mean, they filmed these amazing episodes and then they didn't air them in order. Right. Which is one of, like, you don't air the pilot episode that's like, oh, yeah, Summer, you know, this is her story. This is why they're doing this and this and this and all these things. And it's like, why would you not air those in order? You know, just completely confusing the people that are like, oh, yeah, I'm interested in this, but who is this person exactly in this? And it's like, they seem to do so much to kind of ixnay its chances more than anything else. Yeah, they really tried to... Yeah. To not have Firefly succeed. Yeah, for, I mean, Friday Night Slot, that's terrible. And then you, yeah, rob the story of any semblance of continuity. That Yeah, that is the that is the deal breaker. That's like the one that's like, oh, okay, this is actually like a nefarious thing. It's not, they're not just giving it the best slot that they had available or whatever. They're like, they play them out of order? Like, what? what wh- wh- why? Who, yeah. who does that? Because they, they took it in the in the same vein that they would any other kind of... Um, space action sci-fi, which is it definitely wasn't. You know, it had this really deep storytelling backbone, right. which is why we're so jarred when we don't get the continuity because you know we're meant to see it in order. Yeah, it's not formulaic like a lot of like crime drama shows now, or or any you know, frankly, some sci-fi stuff that was kind of followed. Firefly very much had that formulaic thing, and I think they do it as a contingency plan. Like, the studio wants you to be able to jump into any episode regardless of yeah. where it started. Nowadays, it's a little different because we have different mediums. Like, we've got Netflix. We can stream. Yeah. We can start from episode one and move our way through before it was kind of like... You just yeah, see what's on. Yeah. And it would be, you know, as, as jarring as it would be to start in the middle of the story, at least the next episode that you saw would be in order. And then right. would, you, you could pick up the story and you'd learn about the characters. You'd get enough development. Exactly. You know? That's and that's the the one thing in the in the last nail in the coffin that's like oh, okay this is obviously purposeful like playing the episodes out of order is purposeful and like cruel like that's unnecessarily bad nobody would do that unless they purposely wanted to do that it's dumb it's dumb. Especially as you see how much was in that first episode. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good chunk of an episode. Like, yeah. it's long. And it's two hours, right? Yeah. Yeah, the pilot is a literal movie. Uh-huh. And so to see as much setup as they had for that. And I mean, one of the things I do really like about Firefly is that it does kind of start to run in almost a mold. You know, like each episode has these very unique and different things. But, you know, it's like, Oh, funny capers, you know, they do these things and, you know, something goes wrong and this. So there's almost a little bit of that, you know, formulaic, like, okay, here's an episode. But at the same time, to not give them the the decency of being like, okay, this is Mal. You know, he was part of the war. This is why he's a little bitter, but why he's also this super strong character. Or this is this person and this. Yeah. seems like such a disservice that just shook them to the core almost. Exactly. Like, it doesn't matter so much if you play episode 6 and then play episode 8 and then play episode 5. Like, that's not a big a deal. But to skip episode 1, like, that is so bad. It's mm. so bad. Well, and considering especially that unlike other stories, this one had at every turn, every episode at least, some key back to the overarching story. Like, you don't you don't get what you get in a lot of routine formulaic shows now where now you know five episodes later you get 
another key on that big overarching story. There's no... I don't know what I'm trying to say. At every, every single episode, you get some touch point with the overarching story. Usually it's done through the characters, like interactions between Mal and Simon, um, interactions between River and her brother, like maybe Simon's kind of the lynch, linchpin, but really River is. Right. But it, it, it doesn't ever have a, an episode where they don't talk about the end-all goal. Right, right. They don't touch back to the main spine of the whole plot. Like, most, you know, random TV shows these days, you can play them out of order because there is no touchstone to a main plot. They're just, like, l- existing. Whereas Firefly, you can't really play them out of order because in each episode, they do touch back to that main plot, like you are saying. Like, that is... They hit that spine, and it runs through the entire series. Well, and the theme, too. I mean, the yeah. whole theme is, like, keep flying, keep moving, keep doing this mm-hmm. thing, which is why a lot of the community got behind it in such a big way. You know, can't stop the signal, keep going, you know? Right. Um, but, yeah, they always end up talking about River Story. Or, I mean, she's the living MacGuffin of this story. You know, she's... <laughs> the, the That's the, the, the TV trope name for it, but... Good old River MacGuffin. Yeah, River MacGuffin. She, yeah, she's she's there as a way to move the, the the plot forward, whether it's in you know really small minor ways with interactions between the captain and the and the rest of the crew because she's just causing conflict, or you know what have you. But they always touch on the theme and the main story and whatever the kind of formulaic episode to episode breakdown is. Which is which is great. Well, I mean, it, especially like you know, somebody getting into it. You know, they could love the whole space thing. They could whole love the whole western thing. But then it's like you know, if if you just jump into an episode, like much like they did. I mean, the first one that was aired was the train job. I believe mm-hmm. was the first one. You know, you jump in and immediately, you know, the linchpin, the MacGuffin of the series, River. You just jump into an episode, and she just seems like a crazy person. So you, you don't get a lot of, I mean, every so often they'll kind of slip in like, oh, you know, about her past and what the Alliance did. But overall, you don't get that. And so to think, I mean, even if it's a tiny like razor's edge, all of them are connected and you do get little bits and pieces from the last one to the next one and forward. I mean, even if it is a, like a minute little thing, it will be there. And so it seems just completely crazy to just jump into one without knowing like oh you know this is what happened to this character this is why they're acting this way yeah what's the backstory it robs them of their depth yeah, yeah. right exactly Other, and I mean that's that's where you get the idea that they're heavy into tropes is that if you don't understand that River's crazy because she's been you know screwed with by the Alliance you know you're you're left with the, the only available evidence which is kind of she's just acting crazy and she's just the crazy one that needs yeah. to be there to like fill just, out the show like right. oh simon's just taking care of this crazy person they found like which makes me think that the execs at fox had only seen like two episodes in the middle <laughs> and they're like oh yeah this this show is shitty cancel it like they didn't they didn't see it from the beginning they didn't understand they like i feel like they flat out just missed the whole thing and that's why they canceled it because they didn't they weren't there so wait, this guy's Mal, and his ship is not called the Firefly. I don't, I don't get it. This, this is yeah. weird. We got, we got to cancel this. Like, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. This is dumb. I think if I remember it, uh, what they did was they they showed them Serenity. The they showed them the pilot, and they thought, okay, it, it's all right, but it doesn't do what we needed to. 
we needed to have more action because that's what was working for them at the time. And so they gave uh, Joss like two days to write the next episode, to write the train job, because they did the pilot beforehand, obviously. And uh, they wrote it out in, I don't know, he, he said something like they got into a room 30 minutes as much as they could, just like jammed through it. And within like a day, they had a script, sent it out, and then they started filming it. Jeez. And that's the train job. And to, to have such a tight turnaround on that, it was fantastic for, for that. Oh, yeah. It really was. And it was a good episode, even in light of the other ones. Like, I actually quite liked the train job. Mm-hmm. Still can't believe they showed that first. <laughs> Stupid. As great as it is, it's, it's not really a first episode yeah. type deal. Doesn't make any damn sense. Seriously. Okay, favorite quotes. What do you got? Favorite quotes. Holy crap. Um, the one that I was saying earlier, the alliance is like having the seeing seeing the depth of Mal in that the uh, I totally just lost my train of thought. The alliance. Would quote? you say the train job of thought? <laughs> <laughs> I completely lost my train job of derailed, thought. Derailed, perhaps. Was, was derailed. Fucking alliance. Uh, okay, so, <laughs> so, the when when Mal's being interrogated in the Alliance ship and yeah, and, yeah okay yeah yeah and and the guy says like, how's it feel, knowing that you were on the wrong side and he says, uh, may have been on the losing side, not convinced it was the wrong one. Like that's one of my favorite quotes, in all of TV is like being able to see Mal's depth in that one sentence. You can see like oh like. This isn't just the guy who was fighting for his side and is, you know, patriotic and and is holding a grudge. Like, he has a very specific reason for everything that he's doing. And he holds to that and never breaks from it. And that's that's extremely interesting. What I like about that is that, like you were saying, like, in in that small quote, in that one little scene, you get more of his character than you do some other characters in like an entire season yeah. of a show. I yeah. mean, it, it's just right there, plain black and white. Like this is who Malcolm Reynolds is and he's going to stick to his guns. And it, it's just so cool to see that. You know, I, I love that quote as well. That's probably the, the best one that you can get from this is just, that's Malcolm and this is what he's going to be. And this is what he's going to do. Yeah. Plus anything Wash says is just yeah. hysterical. <laughs> Literally anything. Just pick out any eight random words and it's the best yeah from start to finish that he's pretty much every line i could have alan tudyuk just like read the phone book and i'd be content i'd be like okay this is fine i can do this yeah. <laughs> um if you're listening alan uh call us we need that we need that script phone book yeah or you know guest appearance that'd be cool too whatever either one yeah no <laughs> yeah yeah whatever either one works phone book uh come here and have a conversation whatever you can come and talk to us about studio executives and whatever if you want <laughs> or you know literally anything that would be the most crazy recording session ever it's just like <laughs> okay alberts and just like keeps going for like hours at a time <laughs> like oh this is a weird audiobook it's just called phone book i don't <laughs> has anybody read this what's the plot I, I vaguely remember something like this back in the Stone Ages. Do they do they make these anymore? <laughs> How much did you have to pay on eBay to find one of these? Phone book. I'm trying to think of my favorite quotes now. The, uh, there's a lot. The yeah, dialogue was amazing. 
We didn't, and they carried it over into obviously into serenity too. So. Mm-hmm. I am to misbehave. That's a fun one. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why you see it on all the shirts and stuff. It's everybody's favorite quote. Well, there's the one from Jane in the beginning too, where he's like uh, the chain of command one. The <laughs> chain of command is it's the yeah. chain to go find and rut beat you with. <laughs> or no, it's the chain to go find and beat you with until you realize who's in rut and command here. <laughs> Plus, the dynamic between those two is always amazing. Because, like, the, there's those times when, I mean, when Malcolm gets the wife, you know, when he's, like, accidentally, you know, married off, and, you know, you sit there and you see Jane, and he's so intense, and he's got the gun, and he's just like, I want to straight up do a trade. And you, you love that, like, aspect between those two. Like, the relationship they have is, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, my gosh, is he going to try and do a mutiny? Does he want to take over? But then... He's always got his back. And so, like we were saying, like anything washes, but then like so many things Jane says is hysterical. Right. That, I can't think of anybody on that show that was lacking for any reason. Like the only thing that was lacking in characters was how much of it we got to see. Like it, it never felt like, oh, you know, Simon is a one-dimensional character. All he does is say the same stuff over and over. Like, he, he plays the same role. Like, none of the characters felt like that. Yeah, they're all very multi-dimensional. Yeah, they were real people. And they felt like that. And that was that, one of the, the baffling things, too, from, from uh, like, immediately right off the bat in the pilot. Like, Simon, for instance, you know, bookish, surgeon, kind of smaller, not aggressive. Mm-hmm. But the back half of the episode all he's doing is like tackling people pointing guns at people like trying to protect his sister and yeah. you get more out of his character's motivation just by seeing that and seeing him kind of break that trope yeah yeah which is what's so great about it i think and that like that reveal thinking about it is like gives me goosebumps to this day the the reveal that of what's in that crate that he's been protecting with his everybody on the ship's lives is just incredibly insightful like with that one little um when mal kicks it open and he's just like huh like (laughs) with that little like 30 seconds you you, like you just understand like oh this is a this is deep like this isn't just you know he's stealing a bunch of money or whatever and he's trying to like it's no this is like this show is going to be deep yeah Yeah. what wasn't expecting that at all Yeah. yeah Uh, I, I like it because especially like when you watch episodes in the very beginning, you know, they introduce Simon and at the very first part, you know, you have that feeling of just like, is this going to be the guy that I just don't like in the show? Like, is he going to mm-hmm. be the one? And, you know, throughout the show, he has those moments where, you know, he, he's he's a little bit of a, a weak chain, like not like legitimately, but, you know, you feel like that way. And then you remember that scene and then you're like, no, he has this huge plan and he's trying everything he possibly can. To the point where, you know, he'll be a little annoying, you know, in air quotes there. But then you remember, he literally just wants to protect this girl. He wants to save his sister so much. And it's like, that's the amazing thing about the show is that, you know, Joss Whedon's made these characters that it's like, you know, they have these flaws and they do all these things. But at the end of the day, you love every single one of them. There's not one that you do not like. Exactly. Except the Alliance. I mean, they're they're not great, but it's whatever. (laughs) Do whatever. Yeah. I think that, that that one segment, that one sequence in the, the pilot just kind of sets up everything. But they break so many so many kind of like character tropes. Yeah, and they set up the tropes so yeah. that you're kind of like, 
you get that like oh okay i understand kind of what's happening like oh this is like the same and then they just shatter them like systematically and that i think is what sets the entire tone for the whole show well if you i mean i'm just thinking of the, the literal sequence of what happens and in everything that every one of the characters does is kind of contrary to what we've seen built up so far. So, like, Shepard Book is very kind of, like, reserved. He doesn't do much. But in that scene, he goes and, like, throat chop punches the Alliance guy. Jane actually, like, shows some heart and it goes to beat up the Alliance guy after, you know, after he's, like, threatened um, his crew, or the crew, rather, and and shot Kaylee. So, spoilers. Um, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, go see it. I don't know why you're listening to this if you haven't. Stop what you're doing right now and go watch it. Yeah, what are you even listening to us for? Um, but everything in that sequence, every single one of them, they, they change. And that's incredible. It's insane. And then right after that is one of the cooler kind of breakdown scenes. They dispel everything. Because he kicks it open and he goes, huh. And then you get the entire crew in the in the kitchen and they're listening to Simon and he goes... I'm a smart man, and you're like, damn it, he's so pretentious. And then he says, well, when I, I say this so that when I, I tell you that my sister makes me look like the village idiot, you understand. And then, boom, you're, you're into the next thing. You right. forgive him and you're on. And that's incredible. It's great storytelling. Yeah, I guess we should have put that out there, that, like, hey, you should have watched Firefly. What do you think you are, a Fox exclusive? Like, <laughs> we're going in depth for Firefly. Ooh, I haven't seen Ooh. it. I should, I should check this out. <laughs> yeah, we should listen to this podcast. It sounds. Check out this thing. Might be a good show. Firefly Spark Notes. <laughs> <laughs> we're just gonna run through it for you really quick. Yeah, ready? <laughs> I mean, if I was a teacher, I would assign Firefly as a, as an assignment of sorts. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd work, work that into the curriculum literally any possible way <laughs> probably several times well i mean like writing like freaking if you're going to try and do characters like if it was an acting class or a writing class like th- this is some premium stuff i mean every mm-hmm. episode has a unique flair to it but then it also has that you know that joss whedon feel to it and so it's like to mm-hmm. to be able to write like that or to understand a world like joss does would be exponentially useful to people who are writing their own scripts or writing their own worlds or books or anything like that so yeah it would definitely be a good thing for curriculum plus it's a really really good idea to get the harsh reality of uh you could have great writing and still be canceled (laughs) just rip that band-aid off when they're young like in school it may it's good to you know not have any pretenses (laughs) that's so sad (laughs) totally true it's It's, it's sad and it's like it's a good reason not to work with Fox. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They've done some good things. Anyway. Can, can anybody name any of them? So back to creative writing. You're right. It's, 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 it's an exercise in, in creative writing. Like just in just world building, we talked about already character dynamics, though. Like, every, every one of the characters has kind of an intrinsic opposite on the, on the crew. Mm-hmm. Like, Book to Inara. Um, Jane is kind of opposite to... Um, river um, it's it's bizarre yeah it, it's an extremely well balanced cast of, of characters and the actors that portray them they're all very well balanced Alex you make a fantastic point because like that seems so simple when you watch it but I don't think I've ever watched it with that in mind is that literally there's like complete polar opposites 
And then even when they have episodes together, it's like, yeah, oh, wow, we're fighting, we're doing all this, but then they mash so well together. So it's like, that's super cool. And I like never even thought about that. It's like a, it's a pretty common thing in, in screenwriting that when you like, I've taken a few screenwriting classes, but you, the, one of the things that you kind of work towards if you're kind of stuck or if you want to create conflict organically is you make a boxing match is what they call it. And you just put two, two forces together that are going to clash and then you work the scene out. And so the idea or the, the concept boiled down is that, you know, character A hates character B character b here's a knock on the door they open the door it's character a what happens so your boxing match happens all the time in even the pilot episode yeah. book and anara have a number of interactions you know he walks in on her while she's like sponge bathing and it's like here's this this like very upright religious man and he has to realize that she's not just like selling her body like any floozy on the street <laughs> Right. It's it's actually a profession. Yeah, and you learn along with book that a companion is more of an ambassador and you know, Mal might feel differently towards her because he's kind of conflicted over the fact that he might have feelings for this woman who what, what do you mean might? What? Mal has Mal what? could have feelings? <laughs> Mal's not allowed oh to have my. feelings. He's what? the captain. <laughs> Mal could have feelings for Inara? What? <laughs> Are you sure about that? Have we watched that? I've never noticed. <laughs> just that doesn't seem that doesn't sound right. It doesn't seem no, like it fits. the it sexual tension between those two is rough the whole yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, correct. It's pretty grating. Yeah, and even in the I mean that's what's crazy is even in the promotional materials like we look at the Firefly posters, there's like couple shots and they're like cuddling. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's 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 a little weird actually. Well, so speaking of that, like looking back, and I, I know I'm kind of jumping back a little bit, but like in doing research a bunch for this and rewatching it, I went and I found commercials for Firefly, oh, like original no. aired commercials. It is bad. Like, really? so there would be like little snippets, and what they didn't understand was what what is Firefly. Like, it was kind of like a a funny, quirky comedy that they were trying to do. Uh with like some action and so like there would be shots like speaking parts but then it would be like a good a couple seconds of just like clips like super fast of just like what was happening in the show and then it would be like a funny joke or something like that and it's the it's the most unnerving thing like wow. to know what the show actually is and to see like what they were trying to do with it oh is no. the weirdest thing ever <laughs> I'll, I'll add that to the list of reasons why fox hated firefly <laughs> shitty commercials they couldn't come to grips with the concept that the ship itself was the 10th character right Uh like no guys a ship it's not a person it's not it can't be what that doesn't no dumb cancel it dumb (laughs) i I, I see on the list of characters you have serenity have you cast that yet or (laughs) (laughs) what kind of body type are we looking for for this is this cargo ship no guns sleek metallic um (laughs) like sleek wait metallic like like alien? It's just gonna be a weird silver alien. You're like, uh, no, no, it's it's the ship. It is in space though. <laughs> oh, poor Joss. Kind of quirky and dirty, but with a lot of heart. <laughs> oh, I get it. Never has there been such a great description of <laughs> a ship before. Kind of quirky and dirty, but with a lot of heart. I was watching the one episode where oh god it must have been no it must have been the train job or 
maybe it was the, it was in the pilot actually. I read after the other crazy Ivan, and uh, Wash is sitting there and he's got his hands out and he doesn't have his hands on the steering wheel <laughs> because it doesn't. It's like it's actually further and they wanted to frame him in the shot and so it's like they missed this little bit of composition, but it kept reminding me of the special features scene where Alan Tudyk was like, yeah, I don't really, like, I didn't really know what to do with all the things that were on the dashboard, so I had, like, three or four switches. (laughs) And I'd always go to those. It's like there's cobwebs on everything else, and, like, that one's, like, super, like, loose. He's like, yeah, I just use, like, these four buttons most of the time. (laughs) Like, if you Uh, lived in in this world, you'd be able to fly the firefly. (laughs) Start engine, autopilot, land, uh, manual control. He's got like painter's tape over it. It like has a written <laughs> <Do> sharpie. <laughs> just, go machine, go. <laughs> Best damn pilot in the verse. He's like, yeah, I know how to use these four switches. Isn't that part of the comics is they get into his pilot school a little bit? I can't remember. Um, interestingly enough, so I, I did a little research about that as well. I've read a few of the comics and then just kind of looking through and getting like plot synopsises of them and stuff. Um, it's very interesting. There's been about, and I know I have a list somewhere with here, so bear with me. Um, there is about 10 to 11 stories that they've done so far, and they started in about, I want to say like 2006. Um, and so uh, it, it's very interesting to see what stories they decided to do. So there are a lot of offshoots. There are a lot of like, you know, one-shot comics where it's just about a single character. Like there's one where... You know, it's set during Serenity, you know, when, spoilers, but um, Shepard gets injured. And so, you know, there's this moment where he's just kind of sitting there, they're tending to him and stuff. And it goes in a flashback and it shows a little bit about his life and kind of reveals some of these things. Mm -hmm. And what's so cool about those is that, you know, Joss himself produces those. He's written a few of them. So he has said, yeah, these are canonically, these are the story. You know, we kind of get the feeling about that, you know, with the, you know, seven seasons that he wanted to do. You know, he has these stories that he's more than willing to tell. And, I'm hey, if comic is the medium that, you know, we can get these, that's totally cool. Mm-hmm. Um, what, I, what I found really interesting, though, was that a good chunk of them, you know, some of them are sequels. A lot of them are set in between the show and the movie. So you could tell that there is things he wanted to do and stories he wanted to tell. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of like slice of life type things, you know, like, oh, this this job goes bad, but then we have to do this and this. Exactly. And, you know, a lot of different things. But, yeah, you know, there are actually some really cool revelations that do happen. Um, one story in particular, the one about Wash, um, written by Patton Oswalt. Really? I really? thought that was the coolest thing. He was like, he was so adamant about that. And Joss Whedon was like, yeah, totally, go for it. That's actually super awesome. And so cool. it's 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 about Wash's funeral. And, you know, he has okay, these... Okay, less awesome. I know, right? <laughs> so he has these three friends that are coming there, and they're trying to properly, you know, do things for Wash. You know, they want to have this. And it kind of boils... Yeah. yeah, and so it boils down to, like, you know, they want to do these eulogies. And so they tell stories about Wash, and then... You know, you find out, and I, 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 I apologize, I can't remember if it's in this one or another one, um, a huge story spoiler, sorry to break this to you guys, um, we find out that right beforehand, Zoe finds out she's pregnant with Wash's child. Yeah. And I'm, so, there's that whole cool, like, oh, you know, all these things that could have happened, and you know, it's, a, it's an awesome medium to go through and to, to kind of explore. I'm glad that they ended Serenity that way, though, the, the movie Serenity, not the pilot, but that the whole 
drive, their impetus, their entire thing is to keep flying. And so I would have been really bummed if they had ended it in kind of like a f- funeral, kind of you see the camera yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. I'm glad that it was like, okay, yeah, this is suck. This sucks. Everybody's really sad right now. There are people in, in the crowd that are leaving or crying right now, and just keep let's flying. just yeah, let's just put them all back on the boat and keep going. Well, I mean, there's even Nathan's filling in line during that where he's like, "Wash ain't coming," and th- that moment of just like, you don't have any time to process. Like, wait, what? What? It, serious? Like he's not like, and it's that intense. Like, okay, we have to keep going. That you know is throughout the entirety of the shows. You know, that's literally what we do. We we keep going. Also, that part sucks, by the way. Yeah. Horrifically. And then, yep. Yeah. There's there's nothing else to be said. That part fucking sucked. Just leave it at that. Just yeah. it was bad. It hurt. Still hurts. Well, now I'm all down. <laughs> and we just oh, bad bummer. Well, let's uh, let's get back up and keep going. So, a big question that I want to throw out here, guys. I know that we've we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but if we were to pick up Firefly again, if it was to get a season two or a revival, Netflix. I'm looking at you. <clears throat> if it was to get something like that, what would you like to see? in new episodes of Firefly, would you like to see them? Or, you know, what are your thoughts and feelings? I, I, I personally, I think it would be fun to kind of like, just as a writing exercise, try it out to like come up with what would be a cool episode. I don't think that it should happen because there, I think that Firefly should be left with its potential energy and just kind of like let it sit because that's, that's what makes it such a phenomenon. That's what makes the community so strong is that everybody kind of shares in this underdog feeling kind of remain that like greek tragedy epic that it is instead of like letting it kind of falter by itself yeah there's that and then i mean it's just it's a psychological thing too is that people talk about all the time when you like plan a vacation for instance the kind of expectation of that vacation is sometimes better than the, the experience itself or um like why people think that shopping around for things that you want to buy and this is probably why online shopping is so huge. It's it's more fulfilling than actually having the material possession itself. Um, mm-hmm. I forget the name of that. It's like waiting for Merlot or something is the like case study. But that being said, I think it'd still be fun to kind of come up with a you know what would what would we want to see? I don't know. I think I think diving into the the world a little bit more. Obviously, like that naturally would have happened. But I know that because there's so much of this like natural Chinese influence. You know, Joss kept talking about in the special features, like I wanted this world to be somewhere where everybody is just kind of grown up with the ability to speak Chinese. Like it's just part of their culture. It's part of everything um, is blended at this point. The two biggest superpowers have effectively combined and it, and it works. And now instead of like countries and things on a grander scale, you have the core and you have the rim and what happens there. That brings up a very interesting point because as I was thinking about things, it was constantly like, oh, what are Mal and the gang going to be up to? Do you even focus on them? Yeah, if you're going to reboot the series, is Mal and the crew of Serenity even in it? Oh, man. Dun, I think dun, dun, dun. It's like, tough, right? I mean, it's they are so much of what made Firefly great, but if you're going to reboot the series, why not focus on something else that's going to make Firefly great, you know? Okay, so like, you want to like, pitch like an, an alternative 
Yeah. So okay. So let me let me pitch you something real fast. So say drop a beat, Seth. Let's hear it. Okay. So. I've been kind of toying with this idea for a while now, actually. Um, if if they're going to reboot Firefly, I think it should be Wash's son, 30, 35 years old. And he is kind of a recreation of the original Serenity pilot episode where he now has a ship and maybe a first mate, right? Or And he has to, like assemble his own new crew and they go on their own adventures and he has this like similar disposition to wash just because of like pure genetics right but he he kind of sort of carry on carries on mal's like ideology and and like uh just focus on on crew and stuff but in his own way obviously but kind of agnostic from the previous crew like he grows up not necessarily being a part of this crew for very long but he inherits the ship so he has to kind of follow in mal's footsteps but he is wash's son so it's like this it's this weird like blending of all of them and you get this entirely new cast entirely new kind of like set piece and like this whole thing but the 10th character is still there and that is the tying line between the world and the previous show and this new one i think well i would i think they'd probably make it like five characters if that was the case yeah they'd have to they'd have to trim that down but serenity is still the character right yeah. serenity has been beat all the crap fixed a hundred billion times and that is not gonna change so i mean originally they wanted to just have five characters right so that i mean that's where i got that idea but what happened to mal because he's the captain of, here's, of okay. Serenity. So. Yo, so here's what I'm thinking. He uh, retires, and then he begins to write murder mystery books and becomes super famous. And uh, He meets a, a hot lady detective. and <laughs> They go on all sorts of quirky adventures. <laughs> I would pay real money for that. Just, just saying. Malcolm Reynolds becomes like, a voice actor. <laughs> like 65-year-old Mal, who's a writer that ends up going on quirky adventures. I'd, I would, I'd pay money for that. That'd be amazing. Split the Kickstarter man. I, mean. <laughs> I, think, like, I would think that, that Mal has not, necess- not moved on or anything, right? But either died tragically. Most realistic right there. Yeah. Right? You know, the ship runs out of oxygen and shit. And, like, he can save one person, and it's going to be the baby obviously makes sense or like maybe he's just super old and literally can't anymore and retires to a nice planet with the nara (laughs) like maybe i don't i mean you get like i guess it's like a classic trope now but you know the the dread pirate roberts you know trope of just like yeah you know he wants to pass this on and you know it's to that point where it's like i need something else i need to move on and this is who i want to give it to who's obviously you know Wash's son like that's the main person yeah yeah like who else would you give serenity to but Wash's son the child of your your first mate i mean yeah exactly and that's you know i had been playing around with that idea and i think that is the only way i could see firefly surviving moving forward if they rebooted it or something is like a new set of characters Oh, see, for me, I want—I would want to see them rotate in pretty naturally. Well, yeah, and they they'd the have to—they'd have to stitch them together, right? But you can't just 
bring the crew back and have another three seasons of them going on adventures and shit. Like it, it's been too long. It doesn't work anymore. I think you, I think you save the world, uh, and not save the world. You save the world building, right? So you, you hold on to the same thing, but you, and the same storyline, kind of, same, kind of, general arc. But it, I think it would be cool to have them still be operating on a smaller scale, but they don't they don't come in until you get big main arc story points and then you would see Mal, Zoe, and maybe it's like eighteen years on. I wouldn't put it like thirty years. I would put I would put Wash's kid at like eighteen to to twenty five, something like that. I was about to say if we did like timeline wise, like, you know, back when it came out in two thousand two, I mean that's that was fifteen years ago. I mean that's a pretty decent amount to the point where you could have you could have spunky you know wash's kid who needs to be kind of mentored or you know helped into this you know so you mm-hmm. could have people kind of pop in you know you could have mal you know teaching him you know codes of life and you know how to do these things and then you could have you know people kind of pop in intermittently to you know build that back up and you know have those people there you know that we love and then you could do a lot i mean you could do a lot of things especially with mal's character but like Zoe could be captain of the Serenity now. I don't know what would have happened to Mal, but that's what originally they wanted to have happen. They didn't know if Nathan Fillion would kind of take off, and so mm-hmm. they created Zoe's character as kind of a contingency plan, as in she would captain Serenity if like it didn't work out for whatever reason with Nathan Fillion. L- luckily, it did because he right. kind of brought. He wasn't the brooding character that kind of Joss originally envisioned for him. He became something a little bit more than that. He became more like Nathan Fillion. Right, he became Nathan Fillion, and it just worked, right? Like, he he was uh, charismatic enough, but still kind of was able to nail down the the most hardest-hitting kind of uh, points that Joss needed from him. Yeah, he could could be dark, but that wasn't his default state. Right, and it it lent a lot of heart to the character, I think, which Mm -hmm. is great. So, for me, if I would look at bringing it back, I think... The fan base wants more of the world, so they'd take whatever. But like, I'd be happy to watch anything that was same. had Joss Whedon attached to it and was in the same world. But mm-hmm. they would want to see the same people, I and mean, not in like a cameo fashion either, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you'd have you'd have to, right? Because that's the only way to really bring it back. It would be, I'd, I'd love the idea that Wash is the like little Wash is the the center point. So, like for me, if you write that, it's what fifteen years later make him roughly 15 years old or older he's run away or something like that and he has his own ship and he gets into trouble and the crew of the serenity has to come bail him out meanwhile they all work toward accomplishing what mal was trying to get at in serenity valley which is just like the the center point of the the start of the show yeah i'm not even gonna lie to you when i was like making my season two the first scene was like a prison break where serenity crew breaks washes literally i was like that needs to be the first thing that would be so awesome yeah i would i would watch the shit out of that yeah it would be so good especially if they're like older like could you imagine like 65 year old serenity crew trying to prison break like a 25 year old (laughs) out that'd be amazing well, they wouldn't even be that old, would they? No, they wouldn't. I mean, they would like canonically. That's not how old they would be. But just imagine that scene. 
Oh, they Ooh. can play on. There's so many comedic things they can it's do. It's so that, good. There's like Jane and all of them doing like Ocean's Eleven status, like breaking yeah. him out. Oh my gosh. And that that's what like that's what kept coming through with a lot because I I've thought a lot about this. Like okay, what like what could they do? And a lot of that that just kept like busting forth was pretty much like guardians of the galaxy-esque like this is kind of what this team is is like you know a bunch of a-holes just kind of put together that have heart and character and spunk and you love them and so like a lot of that was what was coming through in my thoughts was you know you have the hard-hitting you know drama but then you also have that comedy of just like you know every episode there's funny moments and all these things and so that could be a a fun little way to maybe connect it to you know what people are really enjoying right now and really you know eating up media wise is you know you just kind of throw that but i think you also said the the linchpin two words which is joss whedon mm-hmm. needs to be a part key. of it yeah literally Absolute key. he's a little bit on the unattainable side right now <laughs> considering True. his but track record. i mean his his schedule's freeing up a little bit after infinity wars just Throwing that out there. Throwing that out there. Yeah, he, uh, he has me very excited for a, a DC movie. He's apparently doing Batgirl. Yeah. I was like, that's like my favorite character. Cool. Let's do that. Really? Wow. Yeah. I didn't and know the, that he was on the docket. Anything that. that has Joss Whedon's name on it is not only going to be great, but I'm also going to love. <laughs> I love like whenever you see that, you know, like it's going to be super good. And then you also know it's going to be quirky. Like, yeah. It's gonna be quirky. super interesting yeah all the characters are gonna be thought out properly like it's gonna be properly done it's not gonna be some bullcrap like thrown together mishmash of junk just to make another movie or make another tv show and get some money like josh doesn't do that and over the several series that he has been a part of he's built that trust with people so when they see his name on a docket they know the quality of work that they can expect from whatever the story is that's awesome. I mean, you, you see that, and you know it's not going to be like coming this summer. He's in accounting, and she's a librarian, and or <laughs> they just can't meet. It, you know, it's not going to be like the token, like everything that everything else is. It's exactly. going to be dramatic, but it's also going to be intense, and like have those characters that mash so well together. And so you you know, the minute you see you know those two words on a screenplay on a a docket for a movie for anything that you know it's going to be a quality piece of work. Mm-hmm. One for the ages. So, do you have a season two episode idea? Follow Wash's kid around, man. Yeah, it's a good one. It's it's probably the best one. Ike is better than anything I've come up with. That's. I mean, that's. It's. I mean, there's. For a while, it was like you know I want to see books backstory and stuff, but the comics have filled that out. It's something that I've always wanted to know about, but the comics have never touched on is like what happened to Wash's kid what happens i want to know and i i would i would binge watch the shit out of that i would want to see something like some recovery from river probably i know that she's meant to be kind of the aloof and like glass cannon but also like really crazy but some mental recovery would be interesting to see well plus Mm -hmm. she kind of like takes over she's like a co-pilot almost at the end of serenity so yeah there's kind of that that line that gets drawn of just like okay so she's kind of you know recovering a lot and doing that and that, yeah that would be fascinating to see 
yeah that you era. definitely feel the retribution is needed like yeah. just from an audience perspective we need to see river get better yeah i also wrote down uh something about how like if one of the crew members that wasn't already kind of like fight ready learns some form of like kung fu just considering it's like chinese culture that's something i think will never die they're so inundated by martial arts um i think it'd be cool to flesh that out a lot more yeah Yeah, just something to throw in to make characters a little bit more deeper yeah i mean i can see the scene now i could see they've converted the cargo bay of serenity into this like like matrix neo and morpheus kung fu scene (laughs) kind of set you know uh, and and Simon is learning learning kung fu in the belly of Sven. I I can visualize it right now. I can see it happening. He's learning from River. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be an amazing episode. And she like bleeds into other things. Like starts bringing like knife play and stuff. And Simon always has to like like no okay let's I need to learn how Boy to punch down. first. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> That's what I mean, especially in research and like reading and watching this. It's it's interesting to see that they've left the sequel aspect of it so like what happens afterwards they've left that pretty vague Mm -hmm. i mean yeah you will get like the beginning of a an ep or like an issue or something like that will be like oh yeah you know this is wash's funeral or this but then they'll always like go back so there's never really been something that's like this is what happens after that and so yeah it'd be amazing to see what you know what joss's desire what he has in mind to see that Mm mm-hmm I, I would love, absolutely love the Wash's kid, you know, aspect of it. That would be absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. So. It's funny because I think I'm sure that somebody has had a similar thought, like, oh, that would be a great story, or, or they've had their own kind of, like, uh, this is what season two would look like. But I think the the thing that makes it so great is that you have that kind of open ended kind of way that you can can think about it is. You touched on it earlier, Seth, this like implicit communication that goes throughout the entire thing where you look back and somebody would be like, oh, yeah, that scene with with uh, Jane and Book where they like bro out or something. It's like, no, that never happened. That's just them. Uh, that's just the characters that you know so well and you can imagine how they could have that interaction, but it mm-hmm. actually never happened. Mm-hmm. That, that bucket list, that wish list of just like, oh, yeah, I would love to see that happen for something like that. Yeah. And that this goes to show the depth of the characters is they are so fully fleshed out and fully realized and fully thought through that you can speculate on what they might do because you feel like you know them they feel like they're real people like i can i can assume what my friend might do in this situation and i can assume what jane might do in this situation they're they're very similar because the characters were so well built that would be so such a crazy but awesome exercise in writing if you you took like 200 hardcore fans of of Firefly and you that were all capable of like screenwriting or something like that and you put them all in one place and you said here are the beats like this is what's going to happen in episode 1 and everybody writes their own scenes based on these are the characters that are in each scene and this is what happens i bet you that a lot of the interactions would be similar or at least a lot of the the things that happened would would yeah. coincide. We we call it the Weed and Thunderdome. <laughs> yeah, two hundred fans come in. <laughs> Only one, one leaves. <laughs> one script leaves. Well, it's, it, it's interesting because I can't I can't remember exactly who said it. Um, oh, so I, 
one of my favorite authors, she was talking about, and she's very big into helping out people that do fan fictions. And I know the minute you say that word, people just get very uncomfortable yeah. and like, it's like, oh, geez, what? Yeah, man. <laughs> but it's interesting because so many people have started out, you know, writing spec script for things. And it's like, what is that if not dot, dot, dot fan fiction? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, you know, you, you take all these people, and I, I love that idea, actually, of, you know, you take these hardcore fans that are so engrossed in it, and you literally say, like, this is kind of what we're going for. What are some ideas that you guys would have? And that would be so interesting, because it's like, oh, well, mm-hmm. you know, we know so much about this character, so we would like them to interact with this person, or, you know, this beat definitely needs to be hit. We don't really want that in here, or this here, and stuff like that. And so it would be very interesting to see what people came exactly. up with. And you can just toss in little seeds and get all kinds of amazing episodes. Like, for example, what happens if Jane is a hero to an entire town? Yeah. Okay, let's play that out. And One of the best episodes, episode. by the way. That was, yeah, oh, that was amazing. Yeah. It's great. So you can toss in little seeds like that. Like, what happens if, uh, you know, some little thing happens, and then you can just see how it plays out because we know how it might play out, and we can speculate. If the if the you know the ship actually runs out of gas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What happens if you know? I don't. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, collaborative storytelling is really difficult. That's I think why. Why that would be tough, but if you had parameters where there was going to be one writer, but we were going to take the best ideas, put them in a poll, and then everybody that was involved would vote on those things. Um, uh, I like it too because, like, when we were saying that, like, oh, what happens if the gas runs out, or what happens if this? I like it because you you see these amazing episodes, and you have to think like at one point he was like, oh, what if they do a train heist? Mm-hmm. Like that was literally the that, thought process, and then it yeah. like it flowered into this amazing you build, episode. You build well, that framework. Standard Western too. I mean, true. <laughs> that folds in really neatly. Yeah, you you build a framework in world building and character development, and then you just see what happens if something happens. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's that I think is why Firefly was so good. Yeah. Well, they built in. I, and now that I think about it, they built in so many kind of Western tropes too, but seamlessly, so that you don't recognize them when they hit. The Mexican standoff with, with the, uh, the alliance. What's the guy's name? I forget his name. The guy from the alliance in the beginning, and Zoe's got the shotgun pointed on Jane and on Simon. I can't remember who even had a gun out, but they're all pointed in different directions. And it's like this is standard Western right here, but it works so well mm-hmm. because everybody's so motivated by their individual thing that they want to accomplish that you don't really, you don't really understand what's about to happen, and it just works. That's also why I think unfortunately why the time period in which Firefly came out was not the time period that it should have came out in. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, nowadays, like, there's so many interesting new things that take this and this, completely different things, and marry it so well together. You know, the Western sci-fi thing hit off so huge a couple of years, like, after Firefly came out. So it's like that perfect moment, you know, like you were saying, like those Western things that you don't you know, if you're looking really hard, you'll see them, but not necessarily just at a first glance. And it's just so cool to see that. And it's it sucks that, you know, during that time period where, like, every other thing was, like, a cop drama and some Terrible, form of CIS yeah. or mm-hmm. CSI, yeah. So it, well, NCIS, CSI, uh, yeah, insert acronym here and yeah. let it go. I mean, and, yeah, look at Westworld now, to your point. Like, yeah, like, what, like, <laughs> I'm going to get hate for this, but it's like, Essentially, you know, what's the difference between like a Westworld now and a Firefly then? Like, 
that they married the two so well together and now this one is huge and this one faltered when it first came out so it's like this weird like if it was like 10 years later firefly would have like freaking 12 seasons and it would be amazing and all that stuff so 12 seasons of firefly i had somebody ask me that one time like okay you die and when you die you get one of like five things and one was like tardis more uh, wishes lightsaber uh, <laughs> 10 seasons of firefly <laughs> i said stop <laughs> you don't need to go on i know my yeah. answer <laughs> we're good there <laughs> that's why i think you should have a new crew because yeah. bring joss back after he's done romp around marvel mcu uh, <laughs> after he's done doing that bring him back in and he can write an amazing story with new characters in the same world and it will get 12 seasons yeah and you have and just inherently you have like conflict built in just by nature of the world building which you yeah. both mentioned it when we first started talking it's like you have all of these interesting things happening in the world with with companions with reavers with like all the you know things that are not necessarily character related but would translate to the next season that you'd be able to pick up on really quickly and say oh yeah I know what's going on the alliance is a little bit um, or a lot of it sketchy with what they're doing <laughs> um, there are still this very strong undercurrent of brown coats that want to perpetuate the rebellion though they kind of realize it's for naught now mm-hmm. hey guys before you go what is the best part about living in Switzerland I don't know, but I heard the flag is a big plus. Mm. (laughs) Why? Oh, please, please come back next week. It won't be so bad. Or it'll be worse. I don't know. Something.